filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Right when, was, right when I was about to start this podcast, I was looking at Twitter because that's what you do when you're about to start a podcast. And I saw a tweet from the journalist who covers uh, North Carolina uh, FC. And apparently, DC United alum Ty Shipolani is still playing soccer, still being a key player in the NASL, and almost assisted on a goal right while we were uh, about to record this podcast. And it just drove me down a hole of uh, former DC United players. And I I tried to figure out if, uh, for example, uh, similarly beloved slash infamous DC United player uh, Boise Kamala was still playing. And uh, he was last on the NPSL team, but I think he is finally uh, uh, no longer playing soccer anymore, at least not... Uh, at any port, at any kind of competitive level, uh, I'll always remember the um, the uh, call from uh, uh, from Tony Lamarzi um, on the 90th minute. Uh, the D- DC came back to uh, beat the Red Bulls, and it was a two goals in a very very short amount of time, having not looked like they were going to be threatening threatening the entire game. game. And uh, Boise Kumalo was, uh, he didn't score the game winner, but he was instrumental in it being scored, his pressure on the goalkeeper. Um, but it was just Tony Lamarzi and the inimitable voice that he has uh. saying Boise Kumalo like 15 times in two seconds um, <laughs> somehow. I don't know how 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 he does it, but uh, that was, uh, I mean, it's funny because they were good times, but also bad times. Um, so you have to remember yeah. them somehow. Um, speaking of... Uh, bad times that were also good times. Um, I spent a lot of time hanging out at RFK this weekend, not watching soccer uh, because of a, have you dried, have you dried out yet? Uh, Yeah. That part was not too difficult um, because standing in the concourse, as long as you didn't stand directly uh, in, like if you stood along the edge of, of the concourse facing outward into the world, you would have been absolutely soaked. Um, but I was standing next to a wall because I had my phone out and realized I couldn't stand in positions where I was going to get soaked. Um, though I did document, uh, the phenomenon of, of, it was just so much rain and wind that it was like, um, a heavy, it was like if you go to an amusement park, uh, to like a water ride and there's like the big downfall and then people stand on the bridge and get hit with that water. It was like that, but constant, um, uh, coming through the the uh, fencing that counts as the um, the the way to protect people from falling out of RFK is what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, don't don't, was, don't do it. Don't fall out of RFK. Well, you, you can't unless you're very tiny uh, to fit through those uh, the holes in the fence. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of wild finding you know people trying to find things to do. Um, the supporters groups figured out quickly what to do, which is to continue drumming and chanting. Um, but uh, a lot of other folks were they were um 
there were some people sitting down on the floor of RFK, which I'm not sure I would recommend. Um, but I guess people got tired of standing. Um, there were a couple service animals, uh, that were there for some thing that the team had arranged where people could like meet and learn more about service animals, uh, which just became everyone staring at a nice dog, um, and being happy that there's a dog. Um, so that was pleasant. Um, there was the, I put up a photo from the site account of the like standing water that had blown in, um, the wind had actually just blown that through, uh, one of the gates, um, and had left that fairly substantial. If you walked along the edge, you could get around it without having your shoes soaked, but it was substantial. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where we all knew that the game was going to get canceled. Uh, anyone that looked out at the field was like, oh, this is not, they're not going to play this game tonight. Um, and yet everyone was still lingering around waiting for the official word, um, which was kind of a, it's kind of a bizarre thing when, when everyone knows there's not going to be a game, but you're still like, what, are we going to do this or not? Like, when are they going to let us know that there's no game? Right. Do we want to jump into uh live breaking news right now before we get into the podcast? I don't, I don't know what the news is. Uh, in, uh, in breaking uh, New York, New Jersey Metro Stars news. Uh, they are currently down two to zero against ah. FC Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, with uh, my high school classmate uh, Austin Berry scoring the second goal from center nice. back. Uh, he was a freshman when I was a sophomore at my tiny Catholic high school in Cincinnati, and he has now come back to uh, his hometown team to uh, put. FC Cincinnati up two to zero in uh, the 63rd minute. So we, we will give you updates as this podcast goes on, even though you'll be awesome. listening to it after this game is uh, finished. Yeah. Cause I, I, before we started, I knew that, that it was one, nothing at half, but I had not seen, I had been off Twitter um, doing, uh, trying to get some of our other, cause we, we don't have Adam. You've probably picked up on the fact that we don't have Adam. <laughs> And so we need someone to keep us sort of on course. And Ben and I both were like, I could host. And Ben's like, I could host. And it was like, well, we'll just figure it out on the show. And that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> which I guess is a good time for us to get going. So goat, goat, welcome, goat. Uh, this is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, cast. This is this is uh, Jason. Ben is with me. Adam has been sent on loan to the state of Kentucky um, to get him some minutes. He needs to... Um, sharpen up. He's been uh, lacking in playing time. I don't think that's actually true, but that's what I'm going to say because I've already gone in on this. Um, he's on loan to the state of Kentucky from us. Commonwealth. Are are we in a position to loan people? I guess we are. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. So, we we um, loaned Adam. This is it's de facto legal uh, because it's it's happened. Um, I mean, and, and I mean. Uh, my legal advice is that we definitely loaned Adam, uh, whether or not he chose to be loaned or not. That sounds that sounds feasible. Um, that sounds like solid legal advice from a non-lawyer who yeah. uh, is not at all taking any money for legal services. Uh, no, don't. You're, neither of us is being paid to offer legal services, and you should not mention this in court uh, ever. But our legal advice is that Adam is on loan in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> We have we have a a good show for you, I think. Even though it's just the two of us, we we could not book a guest in time, um, so you're gonna have to be dealing with just me and Ben for a while. Um, 
we have things to talk about. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. But uh, the first thing I guess that we should always start with is, uh, Ben, what are you drinking? So, it's not good, fam. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't sugarcoat it. It's it's just not good. Um, I ran out of bourbon this evening because I gave the last of my bourbon to, uh, or the last full bourbon drink to my lovely wife because uh, she wanted a bourbon and Coke. And so well, I was not... That's nice of you. Yeah. And so there was about uh, a half a shot left in the bourbon container. So I poured that in my cup. Okay. And I was like, this isn't enough to podcast with. And so I was like, what else do I have? And I was like, I have tequila. So okay. let's throw some tequila in there with the bourbon. And then let's throw some Coke on top of that tequila bourbon hellscape. And <laughs> that's what I have. I have a tequila bourbon oh Coke God. hellscape. Um, all right. This is going to, this is a, this needs an aside. Um, which is, <laughs> this is a story I've almost told on the podcast like three different times, but we've always ended up like, we've got something more important to say, but um, maybe we don't now. Um, years ago uh, in College Park, there was a place that would do progressive rails on Thursday night. And it was like 50 cent rail drinks from eight to nine and then dollar rails from nine to 10 and then $2 from there on. Um, so we would always try and get in at like eight fifty, uh, so we could get a round of 50 cent rails in because, uh, for a dollar you had two drinks or I, I guess you had to leave a tip, but still, um, it was extraordinarily cheap, bad drinks, uh, which is exactly what you need when you're like 24 and you, you have money, but no real responsibility. Um, money in scare quotes. Um, but my, friend, they, they got slammed as they always did. And my friend ordered, a drink and was given. He, well, I think what he expected was a rum and coke, but what he was handed was definitely a tequila and coke. <laughs> and we're talking about rail tequila. Yeah. Um. So he took one sip of it and was like, "Oh, this is bad." And I was like, "What's What's up, man? What's the problem? Did they just pour all the rum on the top?" And he was like, "No, no, no. It's tequila and coke." And I smelled it. I did not drink it. I smelled it, and I was like. That smells horrible, but you got to drink your drink. He was like, what? No, I don't. And I was like, you have to drink your drink or you don't get any dessert. And <laughs> the other guys in my group heard that and took to it. And so there were like six people badgering him <laughs> that he had to drink the tequila and Coke. And he, he, he sort of got badgered into it for a little while until he got smart. And he was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And then I'm sure he came back with no drink. And we're all sure that he discarded it um, and as soon as he could. It. And he, I, I assume he got when he got by himself and had the time to get out of the group. Think he was like, "Why am I going to tough out a tequila and coke that I hate for fifty cents? This is not worth it." Um, right. But you know, in the moment, uh, tequila and coke. And so from there on, we've been trying to give him tequila and coke from time to time uh, ever since. Um, because uh, he he's kind of picky to begin with, and tequila and coke is not good. Especially, I mean, we're talking oh. about like. It's like Cuervo or worse. And at, least, um, at least my tequila is good tequila. It's 100% agave tequila. What, what brand is it? Is it the... Uh, um, what is it? Trace Agaveles? Yeah, the, the one that uh, the VA... Uh, it's the cheapest 100% agave uh, tequila that the Virginia ABC store sells. ABC, I couldn't remember the term ABC store. I was yes. I had said boozery. Um, right. Because that is what it is. Yes. It's a... It's a uh, a place that provides booze for the masses. Um, right. But I, 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 this is a story I've told before. So I'll only tell it briefly here is uh, when I was on my honeymoon with my lovely wife, 
we were told by the liquor purveyor in South Carolina, uh, that's when we were advised that uh, Cuervo is basically 30 to 35% actual tequila, and then the, the balance is just uh, liquor, uh, just like vodka. Yeah. So you, you want to get 100% agave tequila. And yeah, so from that really, point on, we have gotten the cheapest 100% agave tequila we can find, which is still infinitely better than oh, yeah. Cuervo. Yeah, Cu- Cuervo is like the pinnacle version of um, the flavored vodkas that Pinnacle does. Um, this is their tequila flavored vodka, uh, right. Cuervo, it, which is trash. Uh, if yes. you have Cuervo, I, I mean... I'm not going to tell you to not drink it because I don't believe you should ever waste alcohol, but get rid of it quick and painlessly uh, in the most. Maybe use it to uh, make tacos. If you're going to make tacos, you want to pour like a little bit of tequila on your taco meat. So use your Cuervo that way. That that or or make, you know, margaritas knowing that they're kind of cheap margaritas. Um, Just do something to cut it and then get rid of it and move on. And if, if you have the means uh, find a good tequila. Ben has just recommended. I, I can't actually recommend it because I've never had Trace Agavales, but it's it, it's it, good. It's good. Yeah, it, I've been the show a bunch of times. Yeah, it, it's a hundred percent agave. It, it's it's not great, but I mean, it's very smooth. Uh, it makes a great margarita. Uh, I highly recommend it. So, especially if you're in your, if you're in Virginia and that's the cheapest. 100% uh, agave you can get. You should get it. I, uh, for my part, I also have a, a, a drink that is mixed with tequila and another liquor, but mine was intentional. Um, I have a Oaxacan Old Fashioned, which I think I've had once or twice on the show. Um, it is three parts um, Añejo tequila. I've got my mm-hmm. Rudo, um, which is also, if you go to a total line, the Rudo and Technico lines, I've recommended a bunch um, yes. I really hope they start paying me at some point because, uh, or I guess I need to tell them that they should pay me because I don't think they know who I am. Um, but yeah, I've got the Rudo Añejo. Um, it's three parts of that. One part of, uh, Mezcal. Uh, I've got, I use the very last of my El Bujo Mezcal, which actually kind of mirrors Ben's thing. Um, using the very last of something else. Um, yep. But with this, uh, but you made good choices, whereas I did not. Yeah. You, you poured something in a glass and then had to figure it out from there. Um, yeah, mine was more of a intentional choice. Um, I guess we're the two sides of the same coin. Um, but yeah, uh, you twist a, twist a lime peel or not a lime peel, an orange peel if you've got it. Um, a couple dashes of bitters and, uh, serve, uh, I would say with like one or two normal ice cubes, or if you've got a fancy single large ice cube, uh, if you've got uh, that possibility, uh, you can do that. Um, so in our live updates, Okay. Uh, Gonzalo Varon has uh, put one back for New York Red Bulls. Oh, he would be a great USL player. Uh, he would be, because he's awful. <laughs> he's not good enough for MLS, uh, or at least not good enough for the money that was paid to him. But um, I guess for $2 million or whatever it is, you can get yourself a good USL forward these days. But wait, I, th- I, I, thought, I, th- I thought that the Red Bulls were cheap now and didn't pay money. Uh, if, if if only it was just as easy as saying that while still behaving the other way. Um, but uh, anyways, anyways, we should probably sucks. get into DC United. Um, it's still two, it's still two to one. F- yeah. FC Cincinnati is still winning. 
Uh, isn't this, the, I think that's the first goal they've given up on their cup run, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong I on that, but I, I believe they just had gone with four straight one nothing wins. I don't uh, remember, but that sounds reasonable and don't at me. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, DC United in a game that started at 7 p.m. on Saturday night, uh, ended up losing to Real Salt Lake, uh, in a game that ended sometime just before nine o'clock on Sunday night. Um, which that, was weird in and of itself. It was very strange to show up for a game that kicked off at seven and leave before nine o'clock because the game was over. Um, but that's what happens when 30 minutes get played previously. Um, and you only have about an hour to kill, uh, otherwise. Um, Luis Silva scored the game's only goal. Of course, it had to be a former United player, um, yep. in the 64th minute on what, what can't really be termed as anything other than a horrible mistake from Marcelo Sarvas. Um, oh. it, this was not, um, we'll get to Marcelo in a second. Um, I think, I think we both have some opinions about him. Um, yes, before we yes, get into yep. that, um, I guess we should just talk about the game as a whole. Um, Ben, I felt like this game was a lot of adequate, but it was the kind of outcome you get when everyone has adequate or worse. Um, you tend to lose. Yeah. I mean, Especially when you are the kind of adequate that is DC United and your adequate is not good enough to uh, field a successful MLS team, it it doesn't go well. And players like Marcelo and Jared Jeffrey and uh, even Kofi Apare and Steve Birnbaum right now, when they're just adequate, that doesn't result in wins in MLS. Uh, it just doesn't. And so they, it looked like they were putting stuff together uh, at the very end of the first night of soccer. And just none of that materialized uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, this was, um, it, I, I felt, you know, I, I noticed that Ben Olsen after the game said that he felt that there were 60 minutes of good and that he wanted to see 90 minutes of good. Um, and that he was, he was not praising them for 60 minutes of good. He was criticizing a team for not producing a 90 minute performance, which has been a problem all season. Um, I would, I would tone that good down to an adequate, um, kind of across yeah. the board. Um, there were a few players that showed some flashes, but to me, the, the game was, it, it was frustrating to watch the fact that really after Kofi Opari hit the crossbar uh, in the first half, the game that United shifted from playing pretty decent, not quite as good as they had in the, the first 30 that were stopped during the rain. Um, but as soon as that ball hit off the crossbar, it seemed like United shifted down into adequate. And then when RSL scored, they shifted down into we're broken. We can't, we can't mount a comeback. We have nothing in us to um, resolve this game. Um, and that's pretty much where it went. I mean, um, Olsen threw what he threw the players on that he could, uh, he could, he brought in Bruno Miranda for Jared Jeffrey, which is an attacking sub. Um, he yeah. brought in Buescher for Odoyachim, which is an attacking sub. Yeah. Um, Steve Birnbaum finished the game as a forward. Um, I mean, they, tactically they threw the kitchen sink at RSL. It just never looked like it because the guys on the field just could not get themselves in. Yeah. It was like, I must've said to my friend, Scott, um, who's a Patreon subscriber for us. What's up, Scott? Um, we really appreciate the contribution. 
Um, I also know Scott from from way back when um, we were watching the game because there weren't that many people that came to the uh, the second edition of this game. Um, no. a crowd in the hundreds. Um, so I was I was hanging out with Scott and I must have said five or six times to him and not just to him, but just like out loud as an exclamation um, to to the heavens. Um, United needed some kind of emotional spark in this game, whether it was going to be a hard tackle, um, an argument off the ball, uh, uh, you know, some sort of controversy with the ref. Um, Scott brought up the prospect of Olsen following the old basketball coach thing of, of getting, uh, the technical that gets your team all riled up. Um, but it, it, none of that happened. It just didn't, there was no emotional investment from the team. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm saying that they've quit or anything like that, but I feel like this showed the fragility um, that the team yeah. has these days because the Opare header uh, was a bad break and the team didn't respond to it correctly. And then the goal was a much worse break and they didn't respond to that well either. And that's how you lose one nothing to a team that isn't very good. I mean, I know they're on a, they've got a six game, a six game unbeaten streak going, but they're still not a very good team. In if in all honesty, that's not a playoff caliber team in RSL. Um, yeah, but that's how you lose. And, and uh, I think a lot of it was also just that uh, Paul Ariola had a mere hours of training with the team, mm-hmm. and you could tell that that he he wasn't getting involved enough, and he they were shading everything away from him because they knew that he could beat them, and whenever he got on the ball, he was lively and exciting but they but rsl tried to keep the ball away from him as much as possible and dc united will figure that out as they go along and especially once uh zoltan steber uh is a part of the team they'll have uh they'll have threats from both wings but it was just rsl was able to take advantage of that especially just given how new areola is to the team and he doesn't know uh, the team didn't know how to funnel it to him uh, this early in his tenure. Yeah, I mean RSL did. Um, they did seem to have uh, some success at, at making sure the game was more towards DC's left. Um, I thought DC started to show signs of breaking it in the the last few minutes of the first game, or the first game, the last few minutes of the first portion of the game, um, but. They never really got back to that. I think RSL also um, managed to keep that going for themselves. Um, they, they did some effective things. I thought you have to say that their center backs, Kyle Beckerman, and um, a, or their center backs plus Kyle Beckerman and um, Sonny, uh, their other defensive midfielder. I think those guys did a pretty good job of making it hard for United to play. Um, so. That part was a little frustrating. Um, that the challenge for those guys wasn't more difficult. Um, but since we're talking about defensive midfielders, I guess now is the time. Uh, um, ben, I know you've got some some opinions on the fact that Marcelo Sarvas not only started this game but went ninety minutes. Yeah. Uh, Marcelo Sarvas should not play another minute for DC United this season unless it's because of. Uh, injury or exhaustion. And he should definitely not start another game for this team unless it's because of injury. Because he is in his mid-30s, mid to late 30s. 
the season is over. The playoffs are not happening. It, it doesn't matter at this point whether or not games are won or lost. What matters is that they're preparing for 2018. And especially when you uh, collect a ball in your own box and then immediately pass it to the opposing team who will then immediately score. It, it's just <laughs> unacceptable. You you, yeah. you just can't deal with that. You just can't have that uh, in a team. Like, even if this team were a playoff contending team, if that happens, you got to bench that guy. You, you can't have that uh, for your team. And especially with this team not contending and having just signed a defensive midfielder, uh, you've got to try him. And even if you didn't have Russell Canoose available, even if he isn't 90 minutes fit, right. you've got to try anybody else because Marcelo is not going to be a starter next year. He can't be a starter next year. So you've got to try anybody else at that position. Uh, it doesn't matter if Ian Harks is hurt. It doesn't matter uh, what else is happening. You've got to find some other solution because... He's not going to start next year. You've got to just try anything else. Like maybe Jalen Robinson can be a backup uh, defensive midfielder. I doubt it. I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, I think he's a he should be uh, getting some time at center back. But it it would make more sense than Marcelo continuing to start at defensive midfield. So it's it's it, it, it's just a ridiculous thing that it, it it only makes sense if you still think DC United has a chance at the playoffs and they don't and. I, I know why Ben Olsen continues to put on the face that they do, but it's wasting the time in this season that they have left to prepare for next season. And they need to be preparing for next season now so that they can integrate everybody in and not waste time for next season. Yeah, I think um, you know, I, I, I pretty much agree that I just don't see the point in playing a player that isn't most likely isn't going to be here next year um with his salary with his age um it's time for the team to move on um i mean unless they find some sort of offer coming in for jeffrey um and or for rob vincent who we have to assume you know with some time could be a candidate to be back next year um but unless those two guys are both gone as well then there's not really a point in keeping him around and if there's not a point in him being here in 2018 then right now he should only be, I wouldn't say he should never play. I should just, I would think that he is just a guy that um, only plays in case of emergency. Like you have to field a defensive yeah, midfielder. Yeah, yeah. Um, but beyond that, um, I just don't see the point. Um, and, and I'm sure that we're a couple weeks away from that actually becoming a thing. Uh, but, but a couple weeks is still too, you're a couple right. weeks too long. You're right. Um but I, I think I, I'm mentally preparing myself for him to continue being in the lineup for at least a couple weeks because, um, you know, Ols Olsen has made it clear that he's still in on the idea that this isn't completely beyond hope. Um, and it's, it you know, there's a mental thing happening in that locker room where um, that false hope, which it, it is at this point false hope, but that false hope still means something in the locker room. It still changes the uh, standard people feel that they have to hold themselves to. And part of that is going to be, you know, picking the guys that quote unquote are giving them the best chance to win this game. Um, so that's why we're probably going to see him a few more times. Um, I do like that you brought up the the possibility of getting a little strange with it. 
um, because I I had actually written down Robinson as a possible candidate. Um, Why not? I mean, when he was when he was signed, um, Sonny Silloy, uh, who was in charge of the youth academy at the time, noted that he felt that he that Robinson could play as a defensive midfielder. Um, it was mentioned a few more times back in that point that point in time when they were still trying to figure out what exactly to do with him. Um, if you have someone who has a center back's brain but is only five foot nine, they often end up playing as a defensive midfielder. We've seen that he has the passing range, I think, to fit in. Um, so I would be interested in seeing that given a shot. Just to, I mean, in part, just to, I feel like Robinson is a player that deserves more time than he gets. And finding a place for him to get more time is a good idea. Um, and, you know, maybe it's worth the risk. I also think that, um, you know, we saw for the final few minutes, uh, Nick DeLeon playing defensive midfield. Um, I know we've seen a lot of him as a number eight and it, and it wasn't a very successful experiment, but I would rather see that, see if maybe he's better at it now in this setup than see Marcelo playing more minutes as a starter. Yep. Um, and now that this weekend, I don't think you, United didn't have the option of playing daily on there because of the shortage of wingers, but um, Lloyd Sam will be off suspension. Um, Zoltan Stieber may be, or his paperwork may all clear by that point. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it already has. Um, and the other, the issue with him is more of a fitness thing at this yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, even if he's coming in as as a you know if he can play twenty minutes, um, you don't necessarily need De Leon as a winger this weekend, um, and so maybe that's that's an opening that uh, allows there to be some kind of alternative. Um, obviously, the other player that's going to come up in this a lot, I think, and and maybe every time Marcelo gets a start from here on out, it's probably going to name that comes up more and more often is Chris Durkin. Um, who is going to need minutes uh, to keep getting better. Now, he's not with the team right right now because of the under-17s. Um, but as soon as he gets back, I think people are going to want him um, getting his chance. And maybe by the time he gets back, maybe they'll be past that point where the, the illusion of still making a run is gone and they can get into building for next year f- for real. Um but yeah, it's something's got to change there because the team isn't getting better, and um, Marcelo's not going to get better. Um, I think he's given he's given it his all, but it just it's not happening for him this year, and I don't think it's going to get better. Um, but let's yeah. move let's move on from this unpleasant uh, reality that a change needs to be made there. Um, let's talk about the new guys. Uh, we saw two of United's four signings make a make their debut. We might have seen three, if not for the Deshaun Brown injury, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, first up, uh, Paul Ariola, the the more prominent signing, uh, the multi-million dollar transfer fee signing uh, from Cholos, uh, got his first start. As Ben already mentioned, he had basically two training sessions, uh, but got to start in part because, I mean, there just there weren't any other healthy bodies on the wing. Um, but also, I mean, you might as well get him on the field. He's fit. Um, so that's not an in doubt. Um, but yeah, uh, Ben, I, I, I know you have a particular angle on this that isn't all about Ariola himself. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ariola was good. He, uh, and I, I, he'll continue to be even better, uh, going forward. But what excited me the most was 
just the fact that he was there made uh, Lucho Acosta play so much better. Lucho played in this game uh, with a with a verve and with a freeness that I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, just like when he uh, uh, attacked those two uh, RSL defenders in the box and just split them and had that uh, that uh, that cross that just barely was not a goal. Uh, that that's not something you see that often from Lucho this year. Uh, it, he has been a little frustrated. He's been trying to do too much this year uh, from time to time, and with Paul Ariola there, it looks like he has a little bit of verve back. It looks like he has a little bit of excitement back, and it's good to see. And it's uh, a premonition of what is hopefully to come once he actually starts combining with Paul, Paul Ariel and just is, and just isn't taking advantage of the space that Ariola is giving him. So I think that it's a good first step. It's a great first step and it's hopefully a premonition of great things to come. Yeah. I, I think um, we did see, a, a, you know, a little bit of a weight off of your shoulders, a little bit, a little, um, Certainly before, especially when the team was playing closer to good than the last half hour, um, we saw a lot of, uh, I mean, MLS has, across various social media platforms, shared the the various, the gif of the tricks he pulled in the game three or four times that I've seen. Um, yeah. So it, we definitely saw a little more of uh, Lucho the Showman, um, which is nice. I think everyone would uh, love to see that week in and week out. And, and you need good teammates to pull that off. You can't do it on your own. Um, because if there's no threat of other danger, if everyone knows it's 100% this one guy, you're never going to get any space to pull off anything. So just the presence of a more prominent player alone, um, I think gave Lucho a little space It gave him a, and it also, I think Ben, you're right. You're on to something that it just gave him a little more life, uh, a little more, uh, you know, bounce in his step, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, I did track down some of the stats um for Ariola uh, on his debut which you know hopefully this is like a baseline rather than a normal expectation with more training I'm sure he's going to get there though apparently this week he's being allowed to go back to San Diego and sort out his personal affairs and get his belongings and all that stuff um it turns out you can't live off of uh wearing DC United team gear and living out of a hotel forever it's better to have a place that's actually yours and your own clothing and possessions um, so it might be a couple weeks before you really see the training, uh, start to pay off. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of the deal, uh, in, in pro soccer is that, uh, you change clubs and you've got to get your possessions at some point. Um, it doesn't just happen via magic. Um, but yeah, the, the stats are still pretty good. Um, he had three interceptions, four recoveries, um, and I think it was two, tackles um i'm trying to do this off of the top of my head um which is a mistake i think i have this written down um but anyway um that's just defensive actions that's pretty good we, you know we knew coming in that he was going to be um a force on that side of the ball which is always going to be important and i know it's not glamorous but it's always going to be important for dc united and really for anyone but especially the the buy-in that olsen requires means that you have to be able to provide um some some defensive work and and that'll get better I think as uh as he's got more time he also had two key passes um 
he completed three dribbles, uh, didn't put too many passes wrong, um, and, and the passes he missed on were, several of them were longer passes designed to break the line, so they were risk passes that were attacking, um, they're the kind of thing that you want to see, and that will start to connect a little more once he's got a, a handle on what everyone else on the team wants to do, um, so overall, I thought it was a pretty promising, uh, debut, considering the small, uh, number of training sessions that he's even had a chance to have, um, but the other new face, and we've mentioned already, um, that he came in, uh, Bruno Miranda came in in the 71st minute for Jared Jeffrey, took up a position on the left wing, um, with De Leon dropping into as a second midfielder. Ben, what did you think of Miranda's performance overall? Uh, I liked it, and I think Ben Olsen liked it too, because there have been rumors and quotes and things like that that uh, Miranda may not go on loan the rest of this year. He may uh, stick around at DC United, and Ben Olsen may see how he does uh, the rest of the season. So, I mean, yeah, he's 19, but I'd be willing to want to see how he does the rest of the year. Uh, it's also could be partially because of uh, some injury. Um, we heard today that... Uh, uh, Patrick Nyako may not be coming back anytime soon because of him, because of his concussion and uh, things aren't looking good right now. So DC United is going to need another winger. Uh, but Miranda looked good in his initial debut, and uh, we all, we've heard through the grapevine that he has had some of the best uh, athletic performance in uh, training tests. Uh, that DC United has seen in a long time. And like we've said before, at this point, there's no point in in not having these people start. Uh, Lloyd Sam at this point may be a technically better player, but there's no point in not having Bruno Miranda start over Lloyd Sam because Lloyd Sam is exactly what we know he's going to be right now. And he's not going to get any better. So there's no point in having him start over Bruno Miranda. So give Bruno some, some chance, give him some minutes. Uh, and what I would add um, to that is that I'm looking at his, uh, his chalkboard right now. And he went, uh, what was it? One, two, three, four, five, it's seven, seven for seven on attempted passes. He missed no passes, um, had no turnovers for uh, losing the ball on the dribble. He didn't have a successful dribble, but he also didn't have an unsuccessful one. According to Opta, I feel like I'm I'm almost I'm 99% certain that he did make a run past somebody that I would count as a dribble but Opta did not. Um but still no turnovers um which is good when you're, when you're talking about a 19-year-old and one of the things that comes up is athletic testing um and those things as a positive those things are good but you also start to think like well maybe the technical side is where he needs work. Um but no turnovers that's a good sign um that he's not turning the ball over. Um, a couple intercept or one interception, a couple recoveries. Um, so the work rate was there as a substitute on the wing. Um, and another reason that I think he is going to stick, uh, with the first team for the rest of the year is the fact that Deshaun Brown, uh, went out. He, uh, yeah, caught, that too. caught a stray arm and kind of an odd off the ball collision where Sonny wasn't even looking at him. And the two of them both ran into the same space. Uh, he caught a forearm. It looked like from the stands at least. Um, and you could tell that 
he was getting the concussion test and got the bad news. He wasn't happy about it, but um, it's better at this point for players to get the concussion test and for the doctor to say, like, it doesn't matter if you think you're okay. I'm saying you can't play anymore. Um, and that the team made the sub rather than, you know, looking at that evidence and saying, like, well, let's see if he can tough it out because it's a concussion. You don't tough them out. Um, so they made the sub. Patrick Mullins came in. Um, but that leaves us in a situation where the, the list of forwards on the team that are healthy for this game, let's assume Brown doesn't make a miraculous recovery from the concussion and, and play on the weekend. The forwards left on the team, or even potential forwards left on the team, are Mullins, Miranda, and Sebastian Latou. And to go back to what Ben already uh-huh. said at length, um, a guy like Latou at this point in his career isn't going to be around next year, most likely. He isn't going to add anything. We're not going to learn anything about him. There's not really a point in giving him minutes, um, which kind of, I mean, it's kind of sucks for those guys that, um, you know, I, I, the rumor was that there was a, there were trade rumors swirling about him that never came to fruition during the window. Um, and it is, it does mean he's kind of trapped where he's probably not going to get playing time, but he's also not going to get traded. But for DC United, at least, there's no point in playing Latou. Um, and so, nope. uh, Miranda really should be, if he's not starting on the wing, I would think that he is going to be subbing in for Mullins sometime between the 60th and 70th minute this weekend. Um, either way, um, he's getting, he's getting on the field as he should. And, um, that'll be an interesting look because it's definitely a different, uh, look than he, than he was playing, uh, against RSL. But, um, you know, let's get a, let's figure out what the kid can do at, at these various positions. Um, certainly I think there was some spark there. Um, he, he was one of the few players late in the game that actually seemed lively. Um, which I mean, it's your debut. You should be lively. Um, but he definitely had it. It wasn't just, um, he wasn't just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He was moving with a purpose. Um, his choices on the ball were purposeful. Um, and that's what I want to see going forward is, um, you know, he's got three caps for Bolivia. That doesn't just happen. Um, if it was only one, I would be like, well, maybe that, you know, he had a flash of good form and they threw him a cap and like, all right, forget this guy. Um, but the fact that they kept giving him caps is, is a good sign. And, um, I want to see what he can do. Hopefully in Colorado, he can, uh, whether he's starting or as a sub, he can spark something, uh, get a, get a goal or two, uh, or, you know, even just change the game a little bit. That would be nice. Um, but I guess that's all we really had to discuss from this one. Uh, at least for me, Ben, did you have anything you wanted to touch on? Nope. I think that's it for this game. All right. Well, well, we'll take our break. Um, you can hear Adam speak, uh, via recording and uh, we'll come back and talk about this upcoming game which I've already mentioned which is against Colorado so this is my terrible transition to that hey Ben um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell uh, me depends I mean well I should ask you I mean is are goats hostile uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we didn't talk about goats at all in the first segment. I, I said the word a couple of times, but that was it. Um, but I guess we can probably work it in somewhere while we talk about DC United's game on the weekend against the now the now actually trying to change themselves Colorado Rapids. It's a little weird. Um, the Rapids they're, they're now goatless. They they lost their goat. They or they uh, I shouldn't say that they've replaced their goat with an interim goat. Um, no, I think they've lost their goat because. Oh, they just lost their goat? P- Pablo Mastroeni is such a uh, visionary, such a a, a a romantic that I think he's a goat that's not replaced by a goat. He's just out there in his goatdom. So you're saying that he's like a... He is a goat down to his core, and you can't just replace a, a spiritual goat uh, with uh, a regular goat. Yeah, Exactly. I'll accept that. I, I can see. I can see the the read on that as being a. Uh, it's impossible to replace a goat like Pablo Mastroeni, uh, with a regular goat. Yeah, um, I mean, Pablo Mastroeni is such a national treasure that it is just sad that his delightfulness is gone. Even though he's a bad soccer coach. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I don't think we're going to see someone quite like. Uh, Mastro any in a while in MLS for good and bad reasons. Um, the speech he gave about um, the speech that became kind of a running joke about him saying that uh, stats statistics... will lose to the human spirit, right? Um, which which was definitely a he was aiming at his players as a motivational tool, but of course, when you say something on a microphone in front of cameras, it can be taken out of context pretty quickly. We have the internet now; um, it happens a lot. Um, but yeah, Mastroeni is, uh, no longer their head coach. He's been replaced by Steve Cook, uh, who was an assistant there. He's actually been with the Rapids organization since 2010. Um, he was hired as a developmental academy coach and then promoted to the assistant, uh, coaching job once Oscar Pereja left the Rapids. So he's been there for a long time. Um, we don't really have a solid read on what he's going to do, how he's going to change things. I have no idea what his, uh, his intentions are. Um, nope. I do know that Mastroeni left with a record of 38 wins, 35 draws, 51 losses. Um, this year, this year, six wins, four draws, 12 losses, um, and some pretty bad, um, underlying metrics. Um, Matt Doyle wrote an article saying today that, uh, their expected goals for and against are pretty much dead on with where they are in the standings. So it's not like they can say bad luck is, uh, to blame. Um, he also posted a chart of, uh, the team MLS teams listed in 
terms of chances created, and the Rapids are not just in last, but they're behind everyone by 20. Um, they have 155 chances created on the year. Minnesota United was next on the list with 175. Uh, DC United, who are often accused of being uh, very boring, had 208 chances created. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, the Rapids are by over 50 and, and us by over a third worse at creating chances. Um, so and that was uh, borne out by the uh, game I just watched of them playing uh, <laughs> FC Dallas. Yeah, uh, their game, this this last game, uh, the Rapids were outshot uh, 28 to 5. Um, they had one shot on goal which came in the 13th minute, and it was a sort of um, uh, Dominique Baji running onto a through ball and sort of getting a shot as Jesse Gonzalez was about to grab the ball. So I, I count that, I would count that as a shot too, but it's not a difficult shot because the goalkeeper is basically on top of the ball. Um, and that was it. That was their, uh, their attempts on goal was that one. Um, yep. And they did get, I mean, you have to give them some credit. They went to Dallas and got a 0-0 draw. Dallas is in pretty bad form right now, but still, Dallas is Dallas. Um, you have to have some respect for a draw there, but it kind of summed up everything about the Rapids that would want to make them make the change in that this game was either going to be 0-0, or the, if they gave up the one, they probably would have given up two or three. Um, and it's just, uh, there. this is a very limited team. It's no no accident that they're in this situation they're in. Um, there's no name on the roster where you think, you know, Skelton Geshi, I guess, um, is uh, an exciting enough player by himself. Yeah. If if he gets the looks to shoot. Um, if, but if you can keep him out of the game as far as being a shooting threat, because he's been playing wide, um, he kind of doesn't do anything else. It's like he's a forward stuck on the wing and he's playing like a forward stuck on the wing. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of, I mean, I don't think that the coaching change is going to amount to too much um, because there's just not much there. This isn't going to be like when San Jose changed coaches and went from being 4-4-2 long ball to 3-5-2 with no true defensive midfielders um, and just being almost suicidal in their attack first philosophy. Um, this isn't going to be that because those players aren't there. Um, this roster was built to play this way. Um and that's not great for the Colorado Rapids because they already aren't playing a style that people want to see um, or that even is likely to be effective. I know last year um, they did well in the standings, but it's definitely that was like a unicorn of a season. Um, yeah. And that's how it should be treated. It shouldn't be looked at as, you know, oh, this is the ceiling of that. Like, this is beyond the ceiling. This is like a how is this happening kind of season. Um, uh, on top of that. They've also got some other concerns. Uh, Mike DeFont, who started left back in this game, he'll be suspended. Uh, picked up uh, his fifth yellow, so he's going to be out. Um, Axel Schuberg, uh, if I, his name has changed pronunciation three times, and I think it's just because he's just trying his best to give Americans something they can pronounce. Um, but uh, he left the game at halftime. There, I believe, was a report of some sort of lower leg injury. Um, if he can't play, they're going to bring in Courtney Ford, their, um, uh, homegrown center back who's been, he's pretty good. He's a different player from Schuberg though. He's much more of a, um, he's very athletic. Uh, he's very quick, uh, but he's not necessarily, Schuberg is like six, eight and reads the game really well, but he's not mobile. Um, 
they would actually do well as a partnership probably. But um, Ben, I guess my first question about the Rapids for you is uh, what are, what are you expecting to see other than a different man on the sidelines? Uh, I mean, there's that obviously, but I'm just on the field. I'm mostly just expecting them to be uh, defensive and try and break on the counter. And they haven't been effective in that this year. So I'm not expecting them to have much offensive punch because they've not shown any ability to do that. So I'm expecting DC United to have a decent shot at uh, being the aggressor in this game because this is one of the very few teams in MLS that they're probably legitimately better than and they should try and take advantage of that. So they should probably be having more shots on goal. They probably should have more of the possession. And if they don't do any of those things, then if they aren't able to score, it's just even a more damning indictment of where they've been in the past. Yeah. I mean, especially going on the road and playing, uh, at that altitude with them, um, dealing with that. I mean, you don't want to be in a game where you need to come back, uh, in that altitude because generally those last 30 minutes turn into, you can kind of barely run. So I think this is one where United make the effort to get, um, get into the lead and thus, you know, like you're saying, they need to go try and take take this game to Colorado. I mean, they have nothing to lose, um, so they might as well go for it. Um, one thing we do, we're going to kind of use the Rapids to talk about uh, that isn't necessarily Colorado-focused, is in this last game, in this draw with Dallas, um, in first half stoppage time, uh, Maxi Aruti scored a goal, and Dallas appeared to have the lead. They got to celebrate Aruti did his thing, came back to midfield. And if you were watching the game, the camera was focused on him and uh, you saw him go from happy to unhappy. And the reason was that uh, Alan Kelly got the call from the video assistant referee and he came over to the, the weird looking monitor with the apron on it, but then didn't cover himself up. So you could see the screen. I'm not sure if that's how VAR is supposed to go by the book. Um, But you know, maybe it was hot out in Dallas. Um, I don't know. Um, but the result of that was that a foul earlier in the buildup that uh, Ben will talk about, yeah, um, it resulted in the goal being called back and a foul being or the ball being placed where the foul occurred. Um, ben, uh, I know you watch this and and you aren't not necessarily. It's not so much a criticism of VAR is that um, this attacking phase of play, which is the section of VAR that this falls under, um, this might be maybe taking it to an extreme. Right. Uh, the foul was called, uh, so so when they went back and looked at the entire sequence, they called a foul that was outside of the, uh, just outside of the uh, Dallas box. And it was probably a good 30 seconds before the shot on goal, and it was uh, many passes before, and it was a lot of uh, 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 sequence before, and a lot of stuff happened after that play. And if, for example, if you had given it an advantage from that foul, uh, you definitely would not have called it back uh, based on the foul on the advantage having fizzled. You would have been like, "Oh, you, you took you you took your advantage, and things have just continued from here." 
And, but when they went back and looked at the VAR, uh, they called it all the way back to this foul. And the foul was, I mean, sure, it's a foul, but it's not like such a clear-cut foul that you would pull everything back and, and restart it from there. So my main concern about this is just that it's not such an egregious foul that it it, it was never going to be a card. And that's my main problem is that because it wasn't a card, I feel like it's egregious to pull it back that far because where does it end if you're going to pull it back for that why wouldn't you pull it back for a foul two minutes before that or five minutes before that I mean you, you've got to have some parameters for when you decide the uh, when you decide the area of VAR is to be decided and in this case they decided it was going to be uh, within the build up to this play, but it, it, that was probably still too much. Yeah, and and, and I think uh, Taylor Twelman had the most pronounced um, reaction about the, the not about this play, but about the attacking phase of play um, clause or rule or however it's, it is to be determined or referred to, I should say. Um, and he said that this is going to be the thing that causes the most controversy and i think we're seeing exactly why he would say that and it's it proved to be a pretty accurate thing to say because um this attacking phase of play is a is a super it's very much a judgment call what is the attacking phase of play when do, when does it actually start um yeah. if this was a full full on counter where dallas broke forward and had the ball in the back of the net 10 seconds later then yeah uh, the ball outside the box uh, for Dallas, uh, that's the beginning of their attacking phase of play. But if this slows down for a little while, um, and like we said, we're talking like a solid 30 seconds between yeah. foul and goal, um, is that still the same attack? Or I mean, if the play kind of gets bogged down in the midfield, I think at that point you're no longer, the attacking phase of play thing shouldn't apply. But I think the rule is written in such a way that it leaves leeway where um a referee could decide that and maybe maybe alan kelly sees this as the, oh this is all the same attacking phase of play whereas next week um uh, i don't know nima sagafi might say well no this attacking phase of play is only these like the last you know three passes that happen and that's it um yeah, and, so, and i and i re-agree with myself i i <laughs> what you re-agree i re-agree with myself just in <laughs> In the fact that um, if you're not going to call an advantage or if it's a time where the advantage would expire, I feel like that's a good uh, a ballast point for when you let the uh, VAR callback expire. If you're going to let – if you're not going to call back like, oh, we're going to bring this back for a free kick because of advantage – I feel like it should be a similar uh, time frame for VAR as well. Yeah, I think that's at least as a rough guide. That's it should yeah. be in the neighborhood of that. Um, and this was a situation where it was a like it was a surprise that it was called, um, and it was almost like, well, was there like a handball that didn't get spotted in the last right. few seconds? Exactly. But instead, it was way before, um, and it wasn't really on anyone's radar screen. Um, so uh, you know. We're going to. I think we're going to see things like this, where it's not that VAR is the problem; it's the the way it has been implemented has left 
a new judgment call, and I feel like VAR is supposed to reduce uh, some of the judgment calls out there. It's part of it's, it; should be one of the side benefits. But we've now created a new judgment call that we didn't even that that didn't even have that wasn't a thing before. Um, you didn't see referees having to judge whether an attacking phase of play had begun or not before, and now they have to make that judgment on top of everything else. Um, so maybe this was a door that didn't necessarily need to be left, I shouldn't say left open, but so far open, um, where there's such a range of possibilities that we're going to see, I, I predict we're going to see a pretty major inconsistency between referees on what the attacking phase of play is. Um, so I would, I would like to see that more tightly defined, um, but I guess we're going to be kind of stuck with the way it is until the off season. Can I, can I just say that uh, attacking phase of play just reminds me of Wider Shade of Grey from the uh, Procol Harum song. That, that, that's all. You have said it, so I can't, I can't say no because you've said it. <laughs> yeah. It just reminds me of that. It, it, the, the, just the cadence is similar and it reminds me of it. Uh, listeners, if you want to rewrite that song, uh, but make it about the attacking phase of play, and don't just plug the attacking <laughs> phase of play in, uh, but if you can do the whole song, uh, please, please let us know. It and, doesn't even have to be the full song, but even if you no. do a significant part of the song. Yeah, if you can give us anything beyond, like, two lines, we'll probably be suitably impressed. Um, so yeah, if you want to do that, knock yourselves out, we'll, we'll, we'll get it on here, uh, whether it's us reading it, or if you record yourself, uh, singing it, that would be even better, um. Or if you want Adam to sing it, uh, we'll, we'll make Adam sing it. Yeah, if you would like Adam to sing it, we'll save it. If you do it this week, we'll save it till he comes back from his loan to Kentucky, and we'll we'll order him to sing it. And and uh, I mean, I think Ben and I could effectively slow the show up, or he would just give in and sing it. Uh, yeah, I think you, so. To just to get uh, get past us, and also Adam likes to sing. Um, yeah. So he's not even necessarily opposed. I think he would just be opposed to us making him sing. Um, but rest assured, we're gonna make him sing. Oh yeah! If, if someone we'll, does this, we'll do it. We'll make him sing. Um, so that's our promise to you, the filibuster listener, um, <laughs> and to Adam, who probably is going to hear this and is probably not going to be pleased. Um, <laughs> too bad for you, Adam. Um, you shouldn't have gone to Kentucky. Yeah, this is your own fault. Uh, I didn't. I, it's not like I drove you there and dropped you off and and came back um, and left you in the woods or something. Um, I guess to veer. Uh, wildly back towards Colorado real quick. Um, one thing that might come up uh, this weekend is that they also made a trade during the, the end of the window, during all that madness. Um, they sent Dylan Powers uh, to Orlando, and it is a very complicated deal as far as different contingencies based on um, if, a, if a certain player plays this year, doesn't play. Um, they got Luis Gill from Orlando, who was technically on loan, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and then also yes. Colorado now assumes the portion of uh, the the deal where they would have to owe RSL a certain amount for Gill's MLS rights if they keep him. Um, it was a very strange... There were a lot of strange deals during But didn't, this, they, didn't they also get somebody's right of first refusal? I think that's what they got for for Gill is, is by... Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, RSL has the rights of first refusal for him and was basically like, uh, had told Orlando, like, you can have him, but if you keep him, you've got to pay us for his rights. And now Colorado will have that. So they got Gil, they got rid of Dylan Powers, who is now in Orlando. Um, I, 
assume that we, we could see him just because there's a new coach. There's all kinds of things that could change. Um, for all we know, there could be a situation where Cook had a lineup that was vastly different from Mastroeni's. Personally, I I don't think that's going to be the case. Gill might still play. Um, there is the possibility. I, I mentioned earlier the um, the Axel uh, Schuberg injury. Um, with Defont being suspended, um, they need a left back. And we've seen when Mastroeni was there, that could have been almost anybody. They played all kinds of players at fullback positions that didn't really make any sense to me. Um, one thing they could do is they could bring, uh, Marlon Harrison back to right back, move Eric Miller to the left, and then they've got a void at right midfield. So maybe, um, Gill has played wide. He could slot in there. That's assuming that Cook even wants to keep the quasi 4-4-2, quasi 4-4-1-1 that Mastroni was playing. Um, but yeah, um, I assume we'll see him. You don't bring a new guy in and then just be like, well, you're here, but you know, sit the bench forever. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's going to be weird. It's, it's a weird week to have to cover the Rapids given that, um, they've changed coaches. They've made at least one trade though. They did misuse Dylan powers quite a bit. Um, I assume he's probably, yeah, Pablo. yeah I'm assuming he's probably fairly pleased to be playing elsewhere because, um, part of the story with him was that he, he got an Italian passport. Um, and was, his contract was up and he was the, all the talk was that he's going to use that passport to go play somewhere else. Um, he was going to leave on a free, Cyprus. go to Europe. Um, probably not to Cy- Cyprus is where you end up playing. If like things get weird, like a Shane O'Neill situation, um, where you're playing, but you're actually on loan and your registration is held by a third team and it doesn't even make sense legally. Um, but instead they talked him into staying and said like, we're going to put you in the role you belong in, which is a a number eight who has a lot of distribution uh, responsibility. And then they immediately started trying to use him as a number 10 again. And then they basically stopped using him. Um, So Gil, I I don't know if he knows what he's getting getting into um, coming to the Rapids. I don't know how much of that was Mastroeni and how much of that was just the whole coaching staff. Um, It's going to be a weird game for sure. Uh, From a scouting perspective, um, the Rapids are now an unknown. So I assume that United, I mean, they've got enough on their plate as is. Um, they're probably going to spend the whole week working on being the best DC United they can be. Um, and whatever the Rapids throw out is what the Rapids throw out. Um, we know that Baji's very fast. Uh, Kevin Doyle occasionally does things that are pretty good, but oftentimes has a whole game where he's just, you wonder why he was a Premier League player. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know what to expect out of this game other than I know that if United is not winning the game by the hour mark, that they're probably not going to get a win because the the altitude is uh, maybe the best player for the Colorado Rapids is just the fact that they play uh, at the altitude they play at. Uh, Ben, did you have anything you wanted to add to the uh, incredibly interesting Colorado Rapids? Um. Not really, just that they're not good at scoring goals right now, so hopefully DC United can take advantage of that, but uh, knowing them, it's going to be a battle both ways because both teams are bad at scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this game has something that happens early that sparks it to life, and it, and it we see, well, what I'd like to see from an entertainment perspective is just two teams that aren't necessarily doing very well overall. Uh, happening to open up enough that we see some real scoring chances going both ways. Um, I like DC's chances in that, believe it or not, if if that's the way the game plays out. But yeah. 
if this game is just kind of like the RSL game where there just aren't many chances, then one, it's just not going to be fun to watch. But two, I, I start to think that maybe we're looking at the Rapids doing their classic win one nothing despite having like eight shot attempts, etc. Um but that's I mean that's on DC United. They've got to make the Rapids uh chase the game and they've got to make them open up a little bit. Um this game actually does I should have noted this down. There is a small edge to this game for the Rapids as much as they've been horrible and they they're on twenty one points. Um they are actually below or no no, they're not they're not below Minnesota according to the MLS standings page. Um but uh they're ten points from a playoff spot. If they can't win this game they have two in hand though. Um San Jose has the final playoff spot, they've got twenty four played, Colorado has twenty two played. So if the Rapids can't get a win in this game, this is pretty much their final nail in the coffin game, which is I feel like DC when they lost at Minnesota, that was their final nail in the coffin game. So the Rapids yeah, are where yeah. DC was a couple weeks ago. Uh, is the long and short of it. Um, so yeah, the the Rapids are kind of, I would expect them to at least be playing, um, to keep hope alive, but, uh, who knows, who knows what's going on. It's, it's hard to get a read on a team that has had their coach be such a, uh, strange and unpredictable type for so long. Um, but with that out of the way, uh, I guess, um, we don't really have too much to talk about, um. Julian Boucher got sent on loan to Rochester, which is probably good. Uh, good yeah, for him. Yeah, I mean, I just wish he'd been sent earlier and maybe to Richmond, but he just needs to go somewhere where he can play. So Yeah. Um, it's, he, he said, I, I wish he had been better the second year for DC United, but it hadn't happened. So he needs to play and hopefully he can play more down the stretch and uh, maybe contend for a spot. Uh, this coming season. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got roots there, um, up in upstate New York. He played at Syracuse. So, um, maybe, you know, I, I feel like, cause he, he had a pretty rough game, um, when he came in as a sub on Saturday yeah. or, or I should say not Saturday on Sunday. Um, but, uh, he looked like a guy that needed a little change of scenery, but I, I personally, I don't think DC United should be giving up on him. Um, I just think the fact that he's gotten such, such a small amount of playing time, um, this is a situation where it's one of those, uh, players that needed the playing time to do better in training. He needed the emotional lift of getting more minutes. Um, and United wasn't in, in a position where they could give him that. And I think we saw a player that just is down in the dumps. Um, he just looks like a guy that's not feeling it right now. And maybe the change of scenery, um, getting to play Rochester, I feel like we'll plug him in pretty quickly. Um, oh yeah. So... The fact that he's on the field, I think that's going to boost his spirits. And I think then we'll start to see more of, you know, the talent with Buescher, I think, is there. I know a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there, is a, there are a handful of people that I know that don't necessarily agree with that. But I think he's got the talent. It's just, um, can he apply it on a regular yeah. basis? And can he get to the headspace that he needs to? Um, and maybe this loan will help clear his head a little bit and we can see him... Um, you know, be a, a, a credible contributor. I mean, at this time last year, he was a guy that you could put into a game and, and um, expect decent results. You know, in the final game of last season uh, against Orlando, he did quite well. Um, even though DC lost, he was most, most of what they did good on that day was future. Um, 
So I think we've got evidence that he's an MLS caliber player. He just needs this uh, this loan spell to shake loose whatever it is going on with him, whether it's whether my theory on his um, being down in the dumps is correct or if it's something else. He just needs something to shake loose, and hopefully this is the answer for him. Yep. But uh, with that, with that out of the way, I think we've got. I think we covered everything. Yep. Um, uh, FC Cincinnati lost. The Red Bulls won. So the uh, Red Bulls sporting Kansas City in the uh, U.S. Open Cup final. I don't ever really like to root for the Sporks, but obviously I'm going to root for the Sporks in that yeah. game. I mean, um, I'm going to I'm going to root for a meteor, uh, but then I'll root for the Sporks ahead of uh, FC above well, ahead of the Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, don't ever root for the Red Bulls. That's my the main thing. Oh yeah, okay. don't root for them. Um, but I guess that's it for us. So um, for for Ben. Uh, I'm Jason for the absent and on loan Adam, who will be forced to sing in the near future by us as long well, as long as somebody sends the song in. So please do that. Yeah. Um, please follow us on uh, what are Twitter uh, filibuster DCU uh, on Twitter. Um, email us with your uh, questions and your concerns and your song lyrics, your your remade lyrics at filibusterpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, we're on Patreon. Uh, find us there. Uh, if you would like to support us, we we ex- appreciate it quite a bit. Um, maybe more than we've said. Um, even a lot if, more. Even if it's just a little tiny bit, it still means a ton to us. Um, it also allows us to do more of this to buy better equipment. Uh, it's paying for the recording software we're using at this second. Um, and we are so close to giving our Patreon subscribers uh, secret bonus episodes. Uh, so if that's something that is interesting to you, uh, we we're like two people short. So if that's interesting to you, but push uh, us over the line. Push us over it. Yeah, do it. Make us keep doing stuff, and we'll keep doing it. Uh, yeah, just like we're gonna make Adam sing in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, we're on the internet. You know where to find us on the Twitter. Um, at our personal accounts, we're gonna write from Black and Red United a ton because that's what we do. Um, and outside of that, I guess uh. I, I guess you could also find us in person if you live near us, but that would be kind of strange if you're just showing up at our homes. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, Please it, don't. I mean, if you, if you want to show up in Richmond and say hi to me, I will see you in Richmond, but I will not see you at my home. Yeah, that seems fair. If you, if you, you know, or if you recognize a voice in the parking lot, I've had that happen and that's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not in a bad way. I, that doesn't make you a stalker. It just makes it uh, strange for me for being recognized for my voice. Um, which yeah. is maybe not the top of my list of qualities that, that yeah, yeah. be known for, but it's find, find, find us in, find us in public places. Don't find us at our homes. Right. Whatever you do, don't come to my house. Yeah. <laughs> and on that strange and uh, meandering <laughs> uh, goodbye, this is why we have Adam host because he actually says the same thing every time and keeps discipline. Um, I'm Jason. That was Ben. Ben say something so we can stop. Go, go, go.